It's Monday, April 13th, 2020. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a limited-run podcast from Pen America. On today's edition, the White House takes a swipe at the independent broadcaster Voice of America. Then, author and doctor Judy Melanick and her writing partner T.J. Mitchell talk medicine, literature, and the outbreak. And finally, just press play, a new series of playlists from your favorite authors. I'm Stephen Fee, all that coming up on The Pen Pod. In a daily email newsletter, the White House Friday took a shot at Voice of America, one of the U.S. government's main communications channels worldwide. The email accused VOA broadcasters of amplifying Chinese propaganda for its reporting on China's coronavirus outbreak. Voice of America is funded by the government, but is editorially independent. The email attack came after the president's social media director called Voice of America a, quote, disgrace for covering a Chinese celebration marking the end of its COVID-19 lockdown. VOA has been facing off with the Chinese government recently to allow its reporters to work in China. The government there has failed to renew the agency's visas. Meanwhile, President Trump has given indications that he wants to wrest more control over the broadcaster. In a statement, PEN America called the swipe at VOA an unfounded assault on truth and the news media. Up next, Dr. Judy Melanek and her writing partner, T.J. Mitchell. Not a day goes by when a doctor or other health professional doesn't take to the airwaves. Nurses and clinicians are on the front lines of the coronavirus crisis. Joining me now to talk about health, forensics, and writing about all of it, New York Times bestselling writers Dr. Judy Melanek and T.J. Mitchell, authors of Working Stiff, a memoir of Judy's time working as a medical examiner, and the novel First Cut. They also happen to be spouses. Hi, Judy. Hi, T.J. Hi. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for being here, both of you. So first things first, um, where are you both calling in from right now? We are a married couple. We do live together. We have four children. I am at the house with three of those children. The fourth is away at college. And Judy is down the street at our office, which we're fortunate enough to have. Um, She's self-quarantining because uh, she may have had an exposure at work to COVID-19. Wow. So as many families uh, are facing a lot of difficult situations right now, you're certainly facing uh, a little bit of social isolation. Definitely, but we we video chat. I mean, this is a wonderful time to have a pandemic (laughs) that we have things like Zoom or conference, video conferencing and other apps that allow us FaceTime to allow us to uh, be together even when we're physically apart. Absolutely. So, Judy, I want to talk about your work as a medical examiner. You know, so much of, of an autopsy is relying on science to get to the truth. And I, I figured I'd just take advantage of having a health professional on the line. Where is the science leading us right now on the outbreak? And, and what do we know or not know about it? Well, there's a lot we actually do know. We have a good uh, grasp on the time course of infection and the symptomatology, which are typically a fever, a dry cough, uh, difficulty breathing, sometimes chest pain. We know that there is a subset of people who are asymptomatic carriers and uh, will potentially spread the disease without even knowing that they're sick. And so based on the fact that the virus sometimes takes anywhere from eight to 10 days, even up to two weeks to show symptoms, that's been what's been fueling that, that, that life cycle of the virus, so to speak. 
is what fuels our uh, public health response, and we've seen it with regards to lockdowns and um, changes in our daily life, where we've always been given that time course of, oh, we'll see in another two weeks. Well, that two weeks is because of that, of the symptomatology and the time course for the virus to either present its symptoms or run its course. Um, so, so there's quite a bit that we can uh, do with that. And because the United States is late in the game in the sense of infections, um, obviously uh, China and Europe is ahead of us, we've learned from their experiences as well. So, so it informs our public health response as a result. Yeah, Judy, just sticking with you briefly, uh, you know, you, you have such so much experience sort of translating your expertise into memoir, into fiction. Uh, do you think your other health professionals are doing a good job of, of how they're communicating in layman's terms what the threat looks like? What, 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 kind, of, what kind of feedback would you give our, our health experts who are trying to educate the public, but in a way that they're, they're going to understand? I think it's, I got to give them mixed grades. It depends on who we're talking about. So we're in California. I think that uh, Gavin Newsom and the public health experts here in California have done a spectacular job. In the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where we live, they uh, shut down relatively early in the phase. And I believe that there's some data that's coming out recently that shows that because California uh, did the shelter in place rule relatively early in the infection phase, uh, as a result, we're already seeing some suggestions that our curve is flattening. Um, but on the federal level, I have not been particularly impressed. I'm still disappointed every time I see uh, the, our president and uh, the heads, you know, he has Dr. Fauci and Dr. Bricks who are coming up and speaking to the public, and yet they're not practicing the social distancing guidelines that we expect. They're still standing within three feet of each other. They're not wearing masks. Uh, they are uh, making recommendations that are probably not as um, uh, stringent as we really need to get a hold of this. And we are seeing less of a coordination on the federal level and much more action on the state by state level. And that's mm -hmm. disappointing to me. Yeah. Uh, TJ, if, you know, before we got on the line, you were talking a bit about, you know, there, there was the memoir that came out first, and then you all collaborated on a novel. Uh, tell me a bit about the switch from, from nonfiction to fiction. Sure. Working Stiff, our first book, is a memoir of Judy's training in forensic pathology and learning how to do autopsies, which is something you do on the job. You don't learn anything about it in medical school. After finishing that, though, we didn't really want to write a sequel to, to Working Stiff, but we did have all of the stories that she gets at work, the experiences that she has in investigating death, and wanted to explore that in fiction. Another reason we wanted to explore it in fiction is because that way we could control the entire story. One of the things in Working Stiff that that uh, always caused me as her spouse some frustration was that Judy would do the autopsy, but she wouldn't follow through all the way. If it's a homicide, she wouldn't find out necessarily who done it or what happened to the person when they went to trial, you know, and we can we control all that in the in the fiction. So we can we can have a lot of fun with it and uh, we can explore uh, these stories a little more fully. Yeah, it's not all like Quincy and Law and Order. It's absolutely it's not. not. And also we live we live in San Francisco, which is San Francisco and the books are set in contemporary San Francisco, which of course is, is a wonderful setting for for murder mysteries also.
Yeah. So are you all finding it? I mean, now, first of all, you're in separate physical locations. Um, you've got a family, you've got the same stressors that a lot of a lot of families are facing right now. Are you are you writing right now? Are you finding you're able to collaborate even, you know, with your sort of imposed distance? No, uh, we're we're supposed to be. Um, we're we're <laughs> our, our first waiting for edits. Yeah, well, for edits. so we, we have we have three. We have three novels that are that are in the works. One first cut uh, was released on on January seventh, so first cut is out there in the world. Uh, the sequel to first cut is in the hands of the editor, very able editor John Glynn at Hanover Square Press right now, and I'm hitting the refresh button on my email several thousand times a day, waiting for him to give me. Um, edits on that. And then we have an idea for a third novel that I was hoping that Judy and I could sit down and brainstorm and start the early stages of outlining it. But we honestly can't, I just can't concentrate on it. Like a lot and of people, physical I think. separation has been a factor too. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, you you had your, your book come out uh, earlier this year, a little bit before the outbreak. But Judy, I'm wondering, how has this all affected, you know, the ability to sell a book? Uh, it's been really frustrating and we're among multiple authors. I mean, there are authors who had their books that just came out last week, for, for instance, on, you know, publication schedules are set years in advance. And um, for all of us authors who have gotten ourselves frustrated by the fact that our, uh, that our book events, our public book events have been canceled, um, we've been making an effort uh, to go online, to use things like Instagram and Face uh, FaceTime, and uh, Facebook has a Facebook Live feature. So recently we were interviewed by Jen Gunter, who's an OBGYN and author of uh, The Vagina Bible, and she did that with Instagram Live. And then myself and another author, a, um, um, uh, a death investigator who wrote 18 Tiny Deaths about uh, Frances Glessner Lee, the woman who made those little uh, Bruce Goldfarb. Thank you, Bruce Goldfarb. I was blanking on his name. Thank you. Um, he he wrote a, a, a biography of uh, the the mother of forensic science who uh, created dioramas of deaths for training uh, death investigators. And and his book is called 18 Tiny Deaths. And the two of us together have been collaborating on a website called uh, well, it's actually a YouTube channel called Virtual Book Festival. And we're working on getting authors to give us videos that we can then upload and hopefully also have live events where authors can be interviewed either by their family members at home or uh, potentially by the public as, you know, because in these live formats, you can also get comments and feedback. Yeah, well, we'll definitely make sure to include a, a link to that on our website as, as soon as this episode um, goes up. I, just to round out, uh, what are you both uh, reading or listening to right now to kind of keep you distracted or keep you informed? Maybe Judy, you start. I've been uh, reading nonstop about COVID-19, so it's primarily <laughs> professional and technical reading, um, and that is kind of exhausting. I mean, to, my distraction is a book I just got recently. Um, you, you know the Modern Love column from the New York Times? Sure. There's a compilation. It's also called Modern Love. It's a compilation of all those stories, so I, that's on my bedside uh, table here in the office. Um, TJ? And uh, well, I'm stuck at home with the kids without Judy, and uh, we're the sort of family that that pretty much always has dinner together. But with with mom out of the house, we've decided that we're going to turn it into a film festival. So we watch movies <laughs> most every night. And whenever I have the opportunity to choose a movie, I always try to choose something 
post-apocalyptic, hopefully uh, virus-based or zombie-based that's even <laughs> scarier than what we're going through. So we watched 28 Days Later. We just watched Children of Men, which I recommend highly if you have older kids right about now. It's it's a great way of uh, of making them recognize, gee, this um, this isn't as bad as it looks. Yeah. Well, I, have they seen Have they seen Contagion yet? No, I think Contagion would be a step yet? too far. No, I I <laughs> yeah. don't think that we can do that. Yeah. Well, look, it's always good to have distractions. Dr. Jim Melanek and T.J. Mitchell, authors of Working Stiff and now the new novel, First Cut. Thanks to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Much like books right now, music is providing comfort and connection at a time of uncertainty. Starting this week, PEN America's World Voices Festival staff will present a new weekly feature, Just Press Play. Every week, some of your favorite authors will share the songs that inspire them and their work. First up this week, Layla Lalami, author of four novels. Her most recent is The Other Americans. Her playlist includes hits from Alabama Shakes, Nina Simone, John Coltrane, and many others. Listen to that playlist at our website, pen.org. And that's our episode for Monday, April 13th, 2020. Join us tomorrow for the Pen Pod. We'll bring you a special edition on writing and literature behind bars. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up on our website for our daily Dare newsletter, where we track major stories about literature, free expression, and the news of the world. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you tomorrow. <laughs>